Welcome to the Quilt Connection with episode number 64. I'm Alex Anderson. I recently got back from Orlando, Florida. It was a ball. Now, you might think Orlando, Florida in the middle of the summer. Well, yes, it was hot. But why was I there? Well, I was there for Bernina University. Bernina University is a yearly event that Bernina offers to its store owners, educators, and just everybody. It's kind of, it's what I call a Mary Kay rally, an annual Mary Kay rally. And I've been with Bernina now about five years, and I have to tell you, this was the funnest BU I've ever gone to. When I originally went to BU, I just hated it, and I told the president, Martin Favre, that, and he got kind of offended, but it wasn't for... Uh, reasons that you might think it was because I didn't know everybody. And it was kind of like going to a party where you walk in and, you know, oh gosh, will anybody talk to me and all this? Well, now I have tons of friends there and frankly, it's a blast. Bernina uses the opportunity to share with dealers what's coming up, you know, that's new for you, the consumer in the next year. So it's always fun to see. Now, it starts with opening ceremonies, and Martin Favre always comes out in some sort of, well, different um, attire or something like that. The first time I came on board with Bernina, you might remember this podcast, he came out in a purple satin cowboy suit on a white long steer cow or whatever it is, like a steer, longhorn steer. I guess that's what it is. You can tell I'm not a country girl. It was in Texas. And I was sitting in the front row thinking, if that steer turns its head, I'm going to be a shish kebab, kind of like those brothers that we just saw in the news of running of the, running of the bulls. Another time when we were in Chicago, he came out dressed as the Blues Brothers, singing with a Blues Brothers image imitation band. It was hilarious. Well, this year, Bernina is celebrating its 75th year, and so he came out in a birthday cake and popped out in, I don't know what the outfit was, but let's just say it was um, gaudy, and there were red feathers all over him coming out. I mean, it was just hilarious. It's, it's a fun side of Martin that people rarely get to see. So there were dancers. It was just kind of all a hoo-hoo thing of celebrating 75 years. Now, my guess is that he was going to come out as Cinderella or Minnie Mouse or something like that. But then I remembered, oh, yeah, it's Disney, so we can't do that. So the mood was really upbeat, and what they announced this particular year is really geared to sewers. And what it is, this is so interesting to me before I tell you what it is, because I actually started out as a garment sewer, and I can remember spending a lot of money on fabric, on patterns, and then I would make the garment, and either it didn't fit and or it was just plain ugly. I mean, I really did know how to do garments. In fact, at one point, I did a full-length Laura Ashley wool fitted lined coat. So this particular new thing that Bernina is coming out with is just like awesome, especially if you're a garment sewer. 
and it's called My Label. And what it is is a piece of software that you measure your body. Now, that's kind of the part that's embarrassing, but someone else has to do it for you, which makes it double embarrassing. But you get your body measured by your Bernina dealer, and they have to be trained in it and all that kind of stuff. And then it gets plugged into this program, and there's this three-dimensional kind of like a dress form, only it's on your screen, and it's your body. Now, that could be enough to make somebody want to diet or have a fit, but anyways, if you want to make clothes, it's the way to go. So now you've got your personalized dress form, and then there's, I don't know how many patterns, but a bunch of patterns that come with this that you can customize and change and all that kind of good stuff. And then it goes over and you put the different patterns on the body and then you choose the different kinds of fabric, the different kinds of weave and all that kind of stuff. And you do this all on your computer so that you can see if you're going to look like a dork or if it's going to look really good. Now, the educators that were there had on many different garments that were made from this particular My Label program, and I got to tell you, I was impressed. It almost, almost makes me want to go back to garment sewing. I don't think it's going to be out for a couple months, but if you do sew, this is something you are going to want to check out. Now, what I did at opening ceremonies was tell everybody about the quilt show and about the contest that we're having that how people can win Ricky and me, which I spoke about in podcast 63. So that's redundant. I'm not going to go over that. But then what they do is they have class after class after class after class. And I taught two classes. One was a three hour how to sew a sawtooth star quilt little wall hanging And then the other one was an hour and a half demo. Well, it was real interesting because in the sit and sew, which was a three hour class, I had 40 people. So there was like a camera shooting over my shoulder and I anticipated that everybody in there would be quilters. And I mean, frankly, what it was, was it was to show how I work with my Bernina when I'm quilting. But what ended up was in that class, not only were there quilters, but there were sewers. And really, we are two different animals. Things like one of the gals asked, why do you press seams from one side to another? I mean, that's just stuff we take for granted. Then another gal asked, "Um, let's see, why or when do you pin? You know, how important is the quarter inch seam allowance? And so if you are a quilt teacher and you have a garment maker in your class and they think they know how, they, I mean, they do know how to sew, but sewing is so different than quilting. And so next year at BU, I think I'm going to do a class that's on my first quilt. And while that might seem kind of like, well, you got to be kidding because we're all quilters here, it's a huge transition for sewers to go to quilters, just like it would be a huge transition for quilters who work flat to go to make garments. So that, for me was personally really interesting and a gentle reminder that we all come at sewing in a different way. Now, another thing they shared during one of the programs I thought was super duper interesting 
was that, of course, we're all trying to reach the under 40 age group because we every year that the statistics come out on quilting, it just reflects that we're all getting older and older and older. So how do we bring in the new quilters? And they did a survey on what the younger generation is doing as far as using media and stuff like that. Well, get this, 90% of the younger generation get their information from the internet. Television is somewhere, and I forgot the statistic and I could kick myself for not writing it down, but television was like down in 30%. In fact, um, I think it was Martin giving the report, but not for sure, said that a lot of these kids don't even have television. Books were like at 60%, but to me it was really fascinating because talk about different, you know, from our generation where we would go to the television, these kids are going to the internet. So that tells me that the quilt show that I'm doing with Ricky is kind of a really great way to reach a new generation of quilters. Another uh, person that I talked to or watched talk was Eleanor Peace Bailey's daughter-in-law, Heather Bailey, and she has a really great blog online. And she talked about how this generation of younger women are very, like, let's say moms with kids feel really cut off from other moms their age, whereas when we were raising our kids, we'd all go down to the park or the pool on Saturday afternoon and stuff like that. It's not like that now. And so, again, the Internet with blogs and all that are a wonderful way that this new generation is connecting with each other. You know, I go to BU expecting to learn one thing, and it was so interesting to me what I left with as far as, okay, what's going on in 2007? And to me this time, it was all about how we're connecting through different types of media. One of the things they do at BU is they have a dinner that celebrates dealers that do X amount. And they always do something really fun. When we were in Chicago, we went to the top of the Sears Tower for a foo-foo private dinner. Uh, last year when I wasn't there and it was in San Diego, I was in Europe with mom and dad and John on a quilting cruise. They were down in San Diego and they went out on a boat ride for the um, Century Club dinner. Well, this year, it was at Marine World, I think, or Sea World. I forget what it's exactly called. But it was a really nice dinner. And then we went to a Shamu show. And it was so much fun. It was so interesting to not only see these magnificent killer whales at work, but it was a killer whale and she had some babies. And it was amazing to watch the trainers work with them and put on the show. Perhaps in my mind, what I will never forget is the whale racing through the water. Somehow the trainer was standing on his nose. I think, well, actually it have to be a female if she had babies there, right? And the whale shot up through the water with the trainer standing on the tip of the nose. It was just magnificent. And then after the whale would perform accordingly, they would go over and get fed by the trainer. 
Well, I was just enthralled with this whole thing. And all of a sudden, I realized that the mama whale, the big whale, did not do what she was supposed to do. And so I thought, okay, this is going to be real interesting because I think so much of this training, of course, I'm not a whale trainer, but it's repetition, repetition, repetition. So the trainer got back in sync with the whale, made the whale perform the commands that the trainer was doing, but as a consumer watching it, you didn't really get what was going on. But then the whale didn't get awarded its treat. So even though they are performing, these trainers are working constantly with these animals. So after this particular performance, then we went back to a private area and there were more Gushi desserts. And then we got to see a fireworks display. Now, I was kind of naughty and the marine world people caught me, but they just pretended to spank me in the rear end. I love fireworks. And in fact, it's something that is so special to my heart that I can't even begin to articulate it, nor do I really want to. But it's something that just, in my upbringing, fireworks are something that just bring it all home to what family is and all that. So we were in an area that was kind of cut off by the trees and I snuck off in the bushes with three other Bernina dealers, which like we were not supposed to do. And then of course, when we came back, we got in trouble, but only slightly, but it was absolutely worth it. In fact, every night from my bedroom, you could see fireworks. Oh, I want to say I, we were staying at the Hyatt and it was a magnificent, magnificent resort. It was hot. Okay, sure, it's hot in Livermore, but the humidity was just incredible. They would keep things really cool in your bedroom where you sleep, so then you would open the door to warm up a little bit, and then you couldn't breathe because the um, air was so wet with moisture. But, okay, those of you from Florida, excuse me, I'm a California girl, your mirrors would start to sweat. I've never seen anything like this in my life. And then down when we were in the lobby, there it was not it was cool but it was even human inside the resort had like a man-made lake an incredible pool wonderful food beds that were just the best that's when you've been on the road for a while it's all about what the bed is like but above and beyond that the people that work there take pride in their hotel and you wouldn't know that were all you know, how many thousand people there in total because the service was Johnny on the spot. So that's a plug for the Hyatt at uh, Orlando. If you want a place to stay, that's where to go. It's the um, Grand Grand Something Hyatt. You'll want to check that out. So the next night after the Shamu deal was free night. And I was supposed to be in a walk for Susan G. Komen, but I kind of didn't do it. I was naughty. Ricky said to me, he had come, because he was teaching there too, and he said he wanted to go to a Disney theme park. So we got in a cab. I went and got on my shorts and all that good stuff. And we got in a cab, and we were going to go to Universal Studio. And I said, no, 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 let's go to Epcot. So I love Epcot. It's the third time I've been there. I particularly like the countries. If you've never been there before, it's divided into two sections. The front half 
half of it has a ton of really fabulous exhibits like one on imagination where you go in there and there's all this interactive things you can do. Um, all these different places. I mean, you could spend a couple days in Epcot, but then you go to the back half and it's different countries. And so Ricky and I had a blast going from country to country picking up video. And uh, I'm not going to tell you what we did, but I'll tell you what, I can't believe we did what we did, but it was a ton of fun. And on thequiltshow.com, we will start rolling those out just as web content. And I think you'll think they're as funny as we had fun doing them. So we had dinner there in Mexico, and the food was absolutely wonderful. In fact, we ran into another Bernina couple, and I'm so glad Bernina gave us that night out so we could go and play. Then it was more BU things and it was closing ceremonies. And closing ceremonies is so much fun because it's a dinner where they say who the top dealers are from each district and then who the top dealers are and then the presidential award. And the presidential award went to my friend Jill Rikes, who's in Iowa. And in fact, I'll be going to her store this spring. And um, Pine Needles was actually the first store I went to when I went started traveling for Bernina, and I just absolutely adore her. And what they did, because it was their 75th anniversary, they brought in people, I think, from Switzerland. I don't think they were Disney people. And there was all this wonderful Swiss entertainment including polka songs and yodeling and all that kind of stuff. And so my friend Myron, who is from Bernina in Kansas City, said, I always sit with them at their table. And he said, do you know how to polka? And I said, I don't know how to polka. So he took me out into the hall and gave me private polka lessons. And so at one point I got up and polka with Tom Justick, another Bernina person and somebody, and I felt like a dork. But you know what? I have learned in life that it's just fun to do. When I was growing up, I always kind of, believe it or not, kind of sat and watched. And I thought that doing things like that were kind of was kind of corny and stupid but now it's the stuff that memories are made of so that's what was going on in Orlando, Florida. It was so much fun. And this isn't meant to be a Bernina infomercial, but I just thought, you know, people talk about BU and I thought it might be fun for you to just kind of sneak peek of what we did there. It was seven days. I have to say, when I came home, I almost got stuck in Denver. I was on United. Um, one thing after another happened. And it became real clear that I was going to be spending the night in Denver if I didn't think real quickly. And so I jumped ships and went over to Southwest, got on standby, got home. My luggage was separated from me. And I thought, okay, it's got that it's supposed to go to Oakland, California. I may not get it tonight, but I know I'll get it. So I got home on Southwest. West. Thank you for fitting me on. And I went over to the United Terminal and I didn't know how long. I had no idea how long it would take before I would ever see my luggage again. And I was a little bit worried because I had some nice stuff in it, to tell you the truth. And I wouldn't want to have to replace some of those clothes. Anyways, um, the luggage place was shut down with United. 
There was nobody at the checkout stand, so I went up, and there was this really nice gal named Maria Richards, a United employee, and I said, you know, will they bring my luggage to my house, or do I have to come back tomorrow, or like, what's the deal? And she said, well, where do you live? And I said, Livermore, California. And she said, well, do you live on you know, the east side or the west side or whatever. And I said, okay, I don't really know what that means. She said, well, you do, do you live next to uh, Granada? That's the high school. Or do you live out by Springtown, opposite ends of town? And I said, well, I live by Granada. And she said, well, where do you live? And I told her, well, this United employee lives four blocks from me. And she said... I will get off at midnight tonight, tell me what your luggage looks like, and I'll be happy to deliver it to you. Now, how's that? So Maria, I want you to note, I wrote a letter to United because that is way above the call of duty. I left the front porch light on, and when John got up at two in the morning to let the cat out or whatever, there was my red suitcase on the front porch. That was a delightful ending to what could have been a traumatic travel experience. <laughs> and for those of you who travel for a living, and I know some of you do because you're probably listening to this on your iPod while you're sitting in this airport or that airport, I have to tell you, just when you're ready to just get really upset at an airline, something like that happens. And it not only restores faith in the airline, but in the fact that the people that are working the airlines are just like you and me, doing the very best they can, and I would say 20% of the time in an impossible situation. So came home utterly exhausted, absolutely just dying, but we went up to the cabin because it was Bunny Rose's 50th birthday. And that's up in Groveland, and she has a wonderful quilt shop up there called Bunny Rose. So if you're ever driving through Groveland on 120 to go up to Yosemite, it's a back way in. Her quilt shop's behind the Iron Door. It's the oldest continually running saloon in California or something like that. I don't know. It's kind of hidden, but it's a really great quilt shop, and it was wonderful celebrating Bunny's 50th birthday. So, you know, now it's off to Richmond, Virginia to be with Ricky and Libby and Bob the Thread Guy to a Tim Super Seminar. That's going to be fun. And then I head over to Minneapolis for a family wedding. So that's what it is, a week in the life of Alex Anderson. And though this didn't have a lot of quilty information, I just wanted to catch up with you and check in and make sure your summer is as wonderful as my, I, mine is. You can see I'm still tired. Well, until we meet and we do get around, happy quilting.